Welcome back to the Fit Minute Podcast, fitness for real people, with your host, Gabrielle Mazar. Gabrielle Mazar. On today's episode, Gabrielle interviews Stacy Harris. Six years after undergoing a drastic weight loss surgery, Stacy has managed to keep the weight off and change her lifestyle, but she's determined to let people know what happens after surgery. Was it exactly what she thought it would be? Hear her story from before, during, and after her weight loss. And now here's your host, personal trainer and stretch therapist, Gabrielle Mazar. Gabrielle Mazar. Welcome back to the Fit Minute Podcast, Fitness for Real People. I'm your host, Gabrielle Mazar, and on today's episode, I have Stacy Harris, and we are going to discuss the before and after of weight loss surgery. Welcome, Stacy. Thanks, Gabby. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited that you're coming on talking about this because I've seen a lot of clients that have been through it or are thinking about going through the weight loss surgery, and uh, I wanted to start with the mental part of it. So tell me a little bit about your history and issues with your weight and the mental aspect of weight before the surgery, before your decision to get weight loss surgery. Well, Gabby, I've struggled with weight loss and gain since my early adulthood. I had gained and lost between 80 and 110 pounds six times in my life before I ended up coming to the decision to have the weight loss surgery. Um, I had always been able to, to get it off, never been able to keep it off, mostly because I didn't deal with all of the things that caused me mm-hmm. to use food as, as therapy. Um, so I didn't deal with the addiction and never got to that place where I could continue a healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I would get to that weight and, and the emotional issues still existed. So finally, um, Almost six years ago, I ended up opting for weight loss surgery because I was having some serious health issues that came along with having gained and lost the weight um, and carried it for so What long. kind of things did, did you do, uh, you know, with yo-yo dieting? What kind of diets, what programs, what what kind of crazy things, like the cabbage diet or cabbage soup diet or, you know, now there's like the celery cleanse or whatever. So tell me a little bit about the things that you did to lose the weight initially you name it Gabby I tried it I did everything from when Oprah Winfrey lost all her weight on Optifast <laughs> I was at the hospital finding a doctor who would put me on it was Metafast right same thing I fasted for six and a half months on nothing but the protein shakes oh, Lord. lost 118 pounds felt amazing then I had to learn how to eat again, right? Mm-hmm. And the problem with that program was nobody teaches you how to go back to eating solid food. Right. If I would have stayed on liquid diet, I'd probably still be thin. Um, to and Weight not Watchers. healthy. No. Well, <laughs> I mean, it provides the essential things you yeah. need to survive, yeah. but no, not healthy. No. Not thrive. Just survive. Yeah. So if there was a diet, I didn't do most of those extreme ones, but I did Weight Watchers. I did Slim Fast. I did Nutrisystem. I did Metafast. You name it. I did it. I even did the healthy 1,200 calorie a day, lots of exercise thing. I mean, at one point in time, I was teaching aerobic classes and mm-hmm. dance classes and, and feeling great. But again, if you don't deal with the issues, at some point, you start using food for comfort again. Can you tell me why you just said the healthy 1,200 calorie a day <laughs> thing? Well, because at, at one point, <laughs> and you, you had to be in that era, um, most doctors would prescribe a diabetic diet. Uh-huh. And for major weight loss, it was 1,200 calories a day low carb and you know and why would that be 
that's what they felt you needed to burn to lose the optimal two and a half to three pounds a week. To be in a calorie deficit. Right. Right. Thinking about, you know, what you said, I mean, that 1,200 calories a day is is not a lot. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very, it's very starvation. little. It's almost starvation. And so I, I think it's funny that you said those words. That was very interesting to me because that is that's something mentally that we don't get over because all of these things that are fed into us about what is healthy really is not healthy. So you are doing all these different diets, do, not you specifically, but just in general, you know, okay, let's, let's talk about 100 different types of diets, Atkins, um, Herbalife, Isogenics, um, Red Mountain Weight Loss. So you've got the HCG, you've got uh, everything under the sun. And don't forget things like Phentermine. Phentermine, yeah. I mean, so that you're doing all these things and it's like, Oh, this is healthy. This is healthy. This is healthy. Eat eggs. Don't eat eggs. Eat red meat. Don't eat red meat. Drink milk. Don't drink milk. It's like you're fed so many different things. So the confusion is on what is healthy and what is not. But what is most healthy is consistency and moderation. <laughs> moderation is key. Moderation is key. Well, and to contribute to all of that, Gabby, I did um, often go through my doctors for these things. Right. And, and you know... I know different now that I'm older and wiser, but you kind of are are brought to a sense in life that if the doctor tells you it's it's gospel. Yeah. If the doctor says what you need is 1,200 calories a day, and I don't want you eating this, this, and this, but I want you doing this, then then he must be right because yeah. he's a doctor. Yeah. And and now I know that doctors all subscribe to different theories about health and nutrition too. Tell me a little bit about what led you to your decision to get the weight loss surgery. I know you said that um, health issues was one of the driving forces. Right. I was starting to have uh, some issues with just blood pressure. Um, I have a bad knee. I still do, but it was very bad, and the weight was making it much worse. Couldn't have knee surgery until I lost quite a bit of weight because it's nonproductive if mm -hmm. you do that. Um, blood sugar levels were starting to rise. There were just a whole lot of things going on in my body. Um, and I would love to tell you, Gabby, as I sit here, that those were the reasons. <laughs> uh -huh. They contributed, and yes. they got me approved for the surgery. Yeah. The reason was desperation. Okay. I was at a point in my life where I was going through a lot of life changes, and, and I was desperate for something, anything that might give me a more permanent weight loss and help me feel better about where I was at. I'm never going to lie to you. That... I could, but I think there are, <laughs> I, and I, I talked to lots and lots of men and women who are going to go through this, and, and truth be told, it, it's it's the decision for a, a large number of people. I think that that is the majority decision because you feel like it's it's going to be a permanent solution. And statistically, it's not. Um, there are a few different weight loss surgeries. Can you explain some of the types of weight loss surgeries there? Well, there's there, there were a handful. They've quit doing some of them because of the dangers, but the ones you'll come to now most most often is Roux-en-Y, which is what I had, mm -hmm. and then a gastric sleeve. Um, they will still, some surgeons will still do banding, but it doesn't offer much long-term success, and mm -hmm. short-term, the side effects can be really bad. Okay. Those are the majors. There's a duodernin surgery that is far more extreme. I don't think at least the surgeons I talked to, I don't think anybody's really doing that anymore. And what are the differences between them? So in Rue and Y, they actually, everything is re reconstructed. Most of your stomach is reduced. 
um, they sew it off. And then they actually, I mean, it's called Ruin Y for that reason. And, and you, the best thing to do is look it up and look at the photos. But they actually disconnect oh, no, your you. intestines. <laughs> but they, well, because it, it forms a true Y. They disconnect okay. your intestine. They change the opening into your stomach, the opening out of your stomach. And literally, they reroute how food goes through your body. So that's, that's the Ruin Y. Um, the sleeve is a little bit different, far less complex. Uh, with a little bit less long-term success in, in the studies I know. Um, but those those are the two main surgeries everybody's having now, other than stomach stapling or banding. So what are the long-term effects of the Ruin Y? How much time do you have? As much time as we need. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing, Gabby, and this is the thing I like to try to share with people, especially people who are considering the surgery but are on the fence is that it's innumerous. The long-term effects truly are innumerous. Mm -hmm. um, vitamin dis deficiency because of malabsorption. You, you have to be on a religious regimen of vitamin supplements and be very in tune with your body to recognize when one of them you still need more because on the daily you are going to not absorb the nutrients from the food you eat no matter how healthy you eat the way quote, normal people would, people who have not realigned the entire digestive system of their body. Right. Um, because you're skipping a large portion of your intestines that you are digest right. and bring those nutrients to your body. Right. And now rather than having all of that time to pass through and be absorbed, it passes through immediately. Mm -hmm. You have to change the way you eat forever. And I don't just mean on a nutritional front. Of course, you have to make healthy lifestyle changes and pick a nutrition plan that works for you. But you also can't do a friend of mine calls calls the splurges of, of the nutrition program soul food, but you, you really aren't afforded a lot of those luxuries anymore. I can't decide. I've done really, really well, and I want a donut. Mm -hmm. Because the amount of sugar in a donut is inevitably going to make me sick. Um, your body can't handle that mm -hmm. after surgery. So you will begin to, to have shakes and the stomach after effects mm -hmm. that comes from high doses well, of sugar. You're not going to drink daiquiris anymore. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, actually, full-on sporadic diarrhea. Okay. If we're gonna well, be I, about I was it. putting it nicely, but it's but it's one of those things that that it seems like a small thing, but it's not. Yeah, you know, you you lose all this weight, and I think, you know, along with some of those things, um, and again with the vitamins, hair loss, skin issues. There are so many if you don't truly stay in touch with your body. You can't eat quickly anymore because the exit hole of your stomach is so small if you don't chew your food super thoroughly um, you will plug the hole mm -hmm. with a piece of whatever chicken skin a piece of meat you didn't chew correctly um, once it was a carrot for me it took me it, I mean it was volatile throwing up mm -hmm. for probably an hour before it finally came up and oh. I knew so you have to learn and I have learned I very seldom have these things but I'm six years in right and still will have issues where I'll take a bite of something not chew it well and the next thing I know I know well this date or this whatever it is is over because yeah I'm about to spend a couple hours in the bathroom throwing up most likely and then the self-image issues yeah I mean nobody talks about it but for me it's the biggest long-term effect concern um, it takes the most effort energy and emotional investment to get past and I don't that's one of the things nobody prepares you for yeah. Everybody thinks you're going to have this surgery and you're going to feel amazing. And don't get me wrong, I do. It's nice to carry around 200 less pounds every day yeah. and be stronger and more fit. 
Um, but nobody talks about what happens when you look in the mirror after you've lost all this weight so rapidly mm-hmm. and the self-esteem effects it can have on you. I- explain a little. Like, go into depth into why, you, why you're saying that. Like, what are these issues and uh, specifically? Okay, let me be completely real with you, like always. Um, <laughs> So, so you're losing the weight and you feel amazing and, and you are losing it quickly. I mean, I lost 90 pounds in the first six and a half months. Wow. Yeah. And, and that's feeling that's pretty really good, fast. honestly, yeah. other than all of the sickness and stuff that comes with it, but feeling pretty good. And then one day um, I got out of the shower and, and I caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror and I hadn't really done that much. It'd been mostly like with my clothes on the clothes are smaller. You feel good. You're shopping for smaller clothes. And I absolutely lost it just started bawling. I felt disgusted with the way my body looked. I was not prepared for the amount of skin sag and cellulite pockets and just the things that come. I was exercising, doing everything I was supposed to do according to the the surgeons and the counselors, but I hated my body image. I felt far less comfortable in my skin than I had as a big woman because I was a big woman, but everything's filled out. Mm -hmm. You, You see a large person, you don't see something that I don't have another word. My reaction was, this is grotesque. It, yeah. It's killer for your self-esteem on some level because you think, oh, I did this thing that was good for me. I'm, I'm trying to eat right. I'm exercising. I'm losing all this weight. But now I am far less likely to want someone to see me naked than I was when I was 200 pounds overweight. It's, yeah. it's, it's a big deal. And nobody talks about that effect on you. So now I'm completely emotionally beaten again, mm-hmm. having to, to deal with that, find ways to deal with that and the self-image issues and fight to the top. And it's, it's difficult. Well, and you've actually had the skin removal surgery in your stomach. I did. And just go into that. Like, how was that? <laughs> it's very painful. It, it is painful. Um, it, it wasn't quite as bad as I expected it okay. to be, I won't lie, but it's, it's painful and it's expensive. Um, and, and let's face it, no surgery is great for your body that's elective. Yeah. We're just being honest. Great yeah. for your self-image, but not great for your body. And, and, well, and it cost me, despite the fact that I was walking every day, doing all the things I was supposed to do, it cost me almost $10,000 to get the skin on my stomach removed, which at that point was less cosmetic almost than than necessary because the skin apron, I love to hike, I love to be active, and I would chafe and rash and get infections. So it almost becomes a medical necessity. You have to. Right. So I I have a beautiful belly button now, but it it cost me 10 grand and about three months of healing Mm -hmm. because due to all the other surgeries I had, those things have to be done a little differently too, and the procedures are different. And that's the other long-term effect, Gabby, that people often don't don't prepare themselves for, or even if they're told, they don't really get it. Um, I work out every day. I walk every day. I work with you. At the end of the day, there's still at least two more surgeries to get rid of excess skin that I I can't fix with a healthy lifestyle to have the body I want to have and to feel good about how I look. So it isn't just the initial surgery. You, you you almost have to plan for all of the others yeah. if the body image is important to what you. What other skin removal surgeries do you... So I'll need one under my arms. Okay. Um, there is a ton of excess skin under my arms, fat pockets that are almost impossible to eliminate through exercise and weightlifting alone, and my legs are the same. You know, I'm almost at a weight I'm comfortable at now, but the, the excess skin 
They took off, Gabby, about 15 pounds of skin from my stomach. I was just going to ask stomach. you. You were reading my mind. About 15 pounds of skin from my stomach. They estimate there's an additional eight to nine and a half pounds of excess skin on my each thigh. Yeah, it was a, on each thigh. Each thigh. And Whoa. that's not including the, the fat that they would take out that... You know, you can still burn fat and you can help, but the cellulite pockets just happen because of the way the rapid weight loss happens. So, you know, there's, there's another bare minimum of 15 pounds on my body just in my thighs that that is excess weight I can't get rid of without getting rid of the skin. Yeah. Can you explain to me why you chose to go with the Ruin Y and not with the gastric sleeve? I wanted the most extreme surgery I could have. Um, the duodernin. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, um, was the most extreme, but it is almost 100% malabsorption, or that's what the study showed at the time I had surgery. Uh -huh. Mine was a little less malabsorption, and studies prove that through taking vitamin supplements and, and you know making sure that you stay on top of that, you can stay healthy nutritionally. But it was also more extreme. It offered the longest term weight loss. Um, and if I was going to do it, I didn't want to do something that might be a quick fix. Mm -hmm. You look at, at Banding, um, and the sleeve not so much now. The sleeve results have improved in the last handful of years, but the results long, long term were just not as good. So, from the very beginning, Gabby, there's a 15% chance of non-success from a weight loss surgery even at the onset, mm -hmm. because if you don't go home and do the things you need to do, you will force your body to accept to not lose weight or to gain it back super quickly. What do you have to do immediately after the surgery? What is what is the process after that? <laughs> Try not to die. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, good. Well, I mean, I, truthfully, yeah. <laughs> the first few weeks, there there have been, there's still a 1% fatality in okay. bariatric weight loss surgery. So it's one in 100 people may die, plain and simple. Because of going into surgery or after surgery? After. And why would that be? Because of the difficult that it can take to get enough liquid in your body. Okay. You can only hold about a tablespoon of liquid or food immediately after surgery. So you're literally taking little sips of water, a little long. bit of yogurt. Yeah. Um, I was big on yogurt and jello because I couldn't hold anything else down. And, and immediately after surgery, everything is still healing in there. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to throw up. It's yeah. super, super painful. So if you don't get enough liquid in your body, I mean, a couple, I actually have a friend whose daughter died before I had the surgery, and I still did it, mm -hmm. from um, literal dehydration. She wasn't getting enough fluid in. When, when she went downhill, she just assumed it was she was tired and lethargic because of the surgery. And by the time they took her in, it was too late, and they couldn't bring her back. That's pretty extreme, yeah. but it does happen. Um, and then, you know, just the immediate afters, if, if you aren't taking care of your body, if you don't eat right, things can hemorrhage. You can get intestinal twisting Ooh. from not eating correctly because they're not, now it's all rerouted. And, and if it twists, um, again, extremely painful and can be fatal mm -hmm. because then nothing can pass through and the blockage can cause you to die. Right. So there's still a fatality rate. So you're already dealing with that. Then you're dealing with the fact that factually, even today in 2019, about 15.1% of those surgeries will not be successful. You won't ever reach your estimated weight loss. Hmm. And then you look at, you know, from four years down, the chances of gaining weight back are pretty, pretty high for some of the surgeries. For Ruin Y, it is not. Only about 15% is what today's information shows. Mm -hmm. But you go further down the road to, say, the 10th and 11th year, it's 33% weight gain. 
Huh. Well, I'm still young you, enough. I don't want to. Do you know, um, even if there is weight gain and it's at 33% weight gain, do you know if it's uh, total weight gain, like if you're re- gaining all of your weight back, or is it a percentage of, like if you're gaining weight, say you lose 200 pounds, do you gain 100 pounds back, or do you gain all of that weight back, or what? Do you know that? Well, the statistic of, of even successful people is that you will gain about 10 to 15% of the weight loss back between the fourth and sixth year. Okay. And that's just your body settling into, it's able, you're able to eat more now, yeah. you're, you know, but you will have still long-term success minus that 10 to 15%. Yeah, yeah. Um, but past the 11 years, it's, it's about 33% tend to gain back enough weight that they're back in an unhealthy hmm. predicament again. Obesity. Interesting. So explain to me what the difference is with the gastric sleeve, what that process is, and why you would choose to get that instead. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant because I don't have as much knowledge as, of that okay. one as I do the Ruin Y and the stapling. But in essence, it's literally what they say. They put a sleeve over it so that you don't have the expansion and yeah. contraction that you could. Um, I, I don't, I'm not going to share too much because I'm afraid my knowledge isn't too grounded. Okay. And I didn't do any homework on that for you. Oh. Um, Dang it, Stacy. I know, darn it. I'm going <laughs> to fail. I, I can come back and we can do the, all the numbers because we have them. Um, we're working on some things to get some information out there to people. Uh, but again, it's, it's a simpler, safer surgery. You have far less malabsorption because they are not rerouting, rerouting your, your intestines. intestines. Yeah. So it's just not as extreme. And for people who are a little bit afraid of the extremity, um, they'll take that route. Mm-hmm. And then, but you still have malabsorption. Yeah. Your body is still not going to absorb the nutrients like right. it should. And so for me, it was just better to do when I felt was going to be the best long-term result for me. Um, so statistically, the rate of alcoholism after surgery is fairly high. Can you explain that do you have you know information on I do actually it's not just alcoholism um, and people refer to it as addiction transfer right opiates as well because guess what they give you when you come out of the hospital after surgery oh, yeah painkillers yeah, yeah and, <laughs> and I had the best mm-hmm. I mean I was on the morphine diet for the first two days mm. fortunately for me I hate that feeling um, so I took not as many painkillers as I should have and I just sucked it up but it's, it's addiction transfer Gabby and, and the reason that happens and is statistically very high mm-hmm. honestly but the reason it happens is is because you can't eat anymore well you can't eat anymore so if you haven't dealt with the issues truly thoroughly dealt with them and I'm not talking about the six visits or four visits that each bariatric surgery center will make you go through with right. a counselor to make sure you're stable enough for the surgery nonsense that is not enough to fix the problems that made you get where you were not at all plain and simple um, so if you didn't deal with the issues that made you overeat and now you can't overeat you will numb yourself another way mm-hmm. because let's face it those of us who are food addicted found comfort in food to hide from the feelings every day that we didn't know how to deal with and didn't have the tool set to to get through. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm fortunate in that I did come to that and I still work on it all the time and I'm involved in a lot of groups that, you know, when I need a kick in the butt because I start Mm -hmm. to to slide, it helps. But if you don't have that, if you haven't truly delved into why you got overweight to begin with, why you used food for comfort, it's a natural progression to transfer that addiction into the next thing. Yeah. 
this is not just in weight loss. It's it's everywhere. People with meth uh, who have gotten themselves off of meth turn into alcoholics. Yeah. Right? Because they didn't deal with how they got down that road to begin with. Or they become, so. or um, they're addicted to exercise. Right. It is a transfer of that addiction to something else. And you're right. I mean, the thing about food is that we need it. Right. So it's very difficult. I mean, it is a very, very hard thing to process because you can't live without food. Right. So dealing with that addiction to food is very, very hard because it's not something you can completely give up like alcohol or drugs. Cigarettes. Cigarettes. I mean, you can quit that and never, ever touch it again because you don't need it to survive. You need food. Your body needs food to eat, to live, food and water, but you need it to live. So... You have to process in your head why you have that addiction in the first place. You have to process why food is bringing you comfort. What is bringing you to that point where you're overeating? And, you know, I'm a huge advocate for therapy and counseling because everybody needs it. Everybody. I don't care who you are. If you are the most amazing person on earth, there is still something you're battling because we're human. And, you know, if you're going to therapy and you're talking through this. Why am I eating? Why does this bring me comfort? How can I understand what brought me to this? You know, was it abuse? Was it, you know, whatever caused you to be in that situation? If you don't deal with it, you will be unsuccessful. Right. And it goes even further than dealing with it. Because first you have to identify why you had the addiction. You have to accept these ad- the addiction. There's not a nutritionist or even a weight loss surgeon out there who's going to agree with you if you say, I just love food. No. Nobody overeats to the point that they force their body to become obese because they just like food. I like food, but that isn't why I overeat. I overeat to hide from all of the things in the closets of my childhood and young adulthood that I didn't know how to deal with and nobody had ever helped me find those things. But then once you identify why, you have to decide how you're going to deal with those triggers because it doesn't go away. Right. The skeletons in my closet, the things that made me insecure and and have a lot of self-image issues and self-worth issues, they still pop up yeah. all the time, all, a couple of days ago. But I now have the tools to know what I want to do when those things are triggered and how I want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I allow myself, you know, the losses and the wins without going to food for the, the comfort. Um, I don't subscribe to the soul food thing because for me, it would be the same as as a meth head addict. I hate to say meth head, addict, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. It, like yes. it would be the same as going back to that drug or picking up a cigarette. Yeah. So I'm very careful not to use food as the reward, and I've learned to balance it now because food is not such a threat. But it's it's a lifelong process, Gabby. I still work on it every single day. It's never going to end. Well, and I think that that's something you don't think about when you decide to go through the weight loss surgery. I think people think it's going to fix everything. No. I'm going to lose weight and everything will be good. Because they presume that the minute you lose weight, you'll feel better about yourself. Right. And that's going to give you all that self-esteem. Like, no, it's not. You were thin when you started overeating. Everybody was. At some yeah. point, they were thin At and healthy, point. and then yeah. they started overeating. So you get thin if you haven't dealt with those issues. You're going to again. And then the problem is, and this is what I want to drive home so much, is now you have all the extra issues. Right. You You can't eat like other people. You can't 
you can and you learn to, but initially you can't socialize with other people. You can't just have a pina colada because that sugar is going to make you sick as a dog. Mm -hmm. you, you can't drink most wine. What's everybody want to do now? Get together with the girls and have, you know, bruschetta and wine. No, that's not going to work for you. You need to find something that will be easier on your body. But also the fact that you may, and, and I want people to be prepared for this. It's something I'm working on really hard. You may hate your body more once you lost the weight. Mm -hmm. So if it can add to your self-image issues, yeah. if that's one of the reasons that you were overeating to begin with, you have to be prepared for that. Nobody tells you that because nobody dives far enough into why you got where you are to begin with. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, people look at other women or men that are thin and healthy. And what you don't see is the issues that they're dealing with. Just because they're thin and they look good to you doesn't mean that they don't look at themselves that way. So you can look at somebody that's thin and, oh, they're they're thin and it must be so easy for them, but then they look at themselves in the mirror and see that flabby underarm or, you know, the under the bra fat or the waist hanging or your, your muffin top, and you don't see what that person is dealing with. Right. And maybe they're not dealing with the weight issue, but they're dealing with something else. So Everybody has something, and you can't compare yourself to other people and think, if I'm thin, everything will be better. Because it won't. Because it won't. And if you it don't won't. have the self-confidence, that still resonates. You Absolutely. You think thin will get you further in your career. It will find you the man of your dreams. It will do. No, it won't. Not if you don't believe in yourself. Yeah. Because all of us know, if you don't have self-confidence, none of those other things are going to come either. You've yeah. got to believe in yourself because that's where it starts. Yeah. When you find yourself beautiful, other people will too. But everybody thinks that, that the weight loss surgery and that immediate 100 or 200 pounds, I mean, it's 200 pounds for me. But it didn't change who I was. A whole ton of self-work changed who I am. Absolutely. And it continues all the time. And it will continue for the rest of your life. It's something Always. you will have to understand and know forever and work on forever. We're constantly working on ourselves. I mean, if you think about it, it's not like, it's not like you do something once and never do it again. You know, like, oh, we're going to work out once and then you're fit. Life doesn't work that way. Things don't work that way. You are constantly working on some, a job. You go to work every day or five days a week because you're constantly paying bills and you want a house and you want a future and a retirement. That's something you work on your entire life. Why is it different for your mental health, for your physical health? I mean, it's so funny to me that people separate the two. Like, I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to be happy. Okay, well, you have to think about, like, you're going to lose weight. Yes, when you have this surgery, you absolutely will There's lose no weight. Way you're not going to lose weight. But you are going to be working on that for the rest of your life. Yeah, and possibly a lot harder than you would have if you'd taken other avenues. Yeah. I think the thing is, too, is that, that and every surgeon who has you prepare for weight loss surgery will force you. They, they'll make it mandatory that you lose a certain amount of weight. For right. me, it was 25 pounds. So here you are, you've lost 25 pounds on your own, probably eating well and exercising regularly, but you're gonna go ahead and go under the knife. Yeah. So I think that, that my thing is, and I tell women this all the time, mostly women, um, because I talk to men as well about this and, and we're trying to build some, some ways to get out there better, but is if you're doing it to be thin, don't do it. 
if you if it if you have to do this because you need an immediate improvement to your health, go ahead. But if you're if you're doing it because you want to be physically and nutritionally more fit, it's the wrong reason. Right, because you can do that. But you have to figure out the reason why you got there first. And will it be as fast? No. But I promise you, with all that I have, the results will be more satisfying than what I have, having lost it all in two years, year and a half. Yeah. Because what I was left with, the ramifications, the scars, are far more difficult to deal with than the times I had lost it but was far happier with my body because I lost it slower. Yeah. Um, again, if you, can, if you can lose that 25, they're going to make you lose to get the fatty liver down in the four weeks before surgery. How much more do you have to go? Because if you only have 150 pounds to lose, you're already, what is a that? A sixth of the way <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, sixth of the way there. Right? Right. One sixth of the way there. Yeah. So there's, I'm, I just, I think people should, should weigh it and ask themselves truly, have, have you looked at the reasons why you got there? Have, yeah. And have you dealt with them? And do you have the tools for when they pop up again? Because if you don't, this isn't going to change your life. That's deep, Stacy. But it's true. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I could be all happy-go-lucky about it. And, and Gabby, you know I'm not 100% um, anti-weight loss surgery. Yeah. I, I think for some people it is medically a, a blessing yeah. that it's available to them. Yes. But I also think the large proportion of people that I talk to that are, like I said, on the fence or have just had it didn't truly – educate themselves because there's not a lot of education out there Mm -hmm. they'll tell you about what the side effects are immediately after surgery and you can look up what the long-term goals are or you know success is and you can look at the fatality rates and the medical side effects but nobody tells you what it's going to feel like six months in nine months in a year in i will be at my six-year anniversary august 28th still dealing with it Every single day, I have to monitor my body, my nutrition, all of it. I see a nutritionist once a month to make sure my vitamins are on track because, honestly, some of those deficiencies can cause you serious, serious side effects. Potassium absorption. What do you have if you don't have enough potassium in your body? Mm -hmm. A heart attack. Yeah. Some of it is very serious, and you have to monitor it forever, and it's not affordable. Even the vitamin supplements are not affordable. There are times I have to go in and have IV vitamin supplements, but I can feel it. So there's another $1,500 and four more surgeries or three to go when you start. And you have, I mean, you're only thinking of the initial surgery. Right. If body image is important to you and you're going to lose it that quickly, there's a lot more money to be spent down the road (laughs) and a lot more stress on your body, which is more important. Yeah. It's a process just like anything else. And I think dealing with the mental part of it beforehand and and really understanding and knowing everything about it before you really make that decision is is huge and I really thank you for coming and sharing your story uh I've heard it a few times and it's it's inspirational because you've been through it and been successful so um, changing that lifestyle and maintaining it forever and, and dealing with your demons and those skeletons is is the most important. And I really thank you so much for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, hopefully, if you're considering or thinking about it, this helped a little bit. 
If you have any more questions or want to talk to Stacy personally, you can contact her by email at stacylbaca at gmail.com. It's S-T-A-C-Y-L-B-A-C-A at gmail.com. And I'll have that in my show notes too. So thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening to the Fit Minute Podcast, fitness for real people with your host, Gabrielle Mazar. If you'd like more information on today's interview, you can find them in the show notes or you can find them on Gabrielle's website at www.healthybodyworksaz.com. Be sure to share the show, give this podcast a review, and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Join us next week to hear more stories of people just like you. This has been the Fit Minute Podcast with Gabrielle Mazar. 